Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Turning and Pointing Labrador, episode number 172. And in this episode, I'm going to um, talk about a brief update with G, and then I'm going to do uh, a few listener questions that I've been getting. There's all kinds of things that I've been having on my mind to do, but then I get a lot of these questions that I think may be, you know, really pretty relevant. Uh, so I'm going to try and do that. But first, the G update. Uh, starting to run blinds. <laughs> so for those of you that have ever gone through that, where you, you know, you transition off of, of, pattern blinds and stuff where it all goes so well and then you start running cold blinds um i don't know how many times i've done that but every time i do it it's like was it always really like this but she is now she and her sister are both uh doing blinds uh some of them are probably 250 300 yards cold blinds and the distance does not make it difficult if you just start with real short blinds and try to eventually get the distance up, that makes distance difficult. But if you start right off going, hey, you might be going for a while and you walk out and keep proximity to them, uh, then you teach them that blinds are not a specific distance or start hunting after this long because you gotta be close. So I, I'm emphatic about that. I do like way long blinds so that they just know, hey man, I better go. And I don't let them get too, too far off, even at this stage, because if I keep changing their direction a whole bunch, they sort of, just sort of loses their, their conviction to it. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I'm just going back and forth and all over. So there's a, there's a fine art to letting dogs gain some momentum when they're starting these cold blinds, even if they're kind of going the wrong way, but not too far, because then you have to change their direction a lot. And the more drastic changes in directions that you have, sometimes for some dogs that can be either confusing or disheartening or just just nonsensical, you know. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I'm just your arm, flinging your arms and I'm running all over the place. So she and her sister are both doing very well, getting a lot of momentum going. They run really fast. And the reason they run really fast isn't because I make them. It's because one, they like to run fast, and two, I've never done anything to kill that in all of the training, including the forcing and the stopping. So you don't make dogs run a certain speed. They're going to run the speed they run. But if they do like to go swiftly, all you can do is detract from that, and I try really hard not to. And there's a quite an art to that, but that's a whole nother thing. So the blinds are going well. The marks are going well. Um, they're just getting better and better at that. And now both of these, they're a year old now, both of them. And they, uh, like to, they point and then they can't stand it anymore. And even though I've been working woe with both of them, I mean, like even in the bird pen woe and right out in the middle of nowhere saying woe and all that stuff, when they get on that bird, they are so, so aggressive. So there's a little bit of work to be done on that stuff, <laughs> but if at least I know that now. It used to worry me before um, on their mother when she, she was a, like, just a fantastic pointer. And then, then she just started pointing which bird she was going to just really jump for. And I remember being you know, very worried about that. And then 
that resolved itself after training and bird exposure and some stuff. So I'm not too, too worried about that. I, I don't like it, but uh, we're going to get, we'll get past that. So things are going well on the uh, sturdy girlfriend and her little sister Kai. Things, uh, things are good there. So one of the first questions that I want to get to, I get a lot of people who are new to uh, professional dog training. And it's, it's probably kind of confusing. You know, when you've done it for a long time like I have, it's like anything that you've done a lot. You know, you just know it and you just know what to say and you know what's going to happen and you kind of, and then somebody's brand new and, and I realize when they're new to this um, that I take, you know, that I, you, you have to really pay attention to what people are saying and what people are thinking when you want to teach them how to work really well with their dog. But the one question I had, I was working with, with one gentleman with a little, real, uh, a young, uh, real active, active, active dog. <laughs> mentally active physically active just really you know kind of hard to pin down a little bit but things were going well with her and she was learning and he wanted his son to get involved i was working with him and showing him and he did pretty well so did his wife they were making her heel and sit and actually did really quite well and he said he wanted to bring his son young son not real young you know i'd see middle school or high school or something somewhere in there to come and also be able to work with the dog and his question to me was very sincere question he said so if he just knows the commands to use the dog will do the same thing for him that it does for me or for you and I think that I, I've heard that a lot when I think about it over the years well just tell me what commands to use and then I'll do it and and I always don't have an answer for that because I can tell you all the commands in the world but that doesn't mean necessarily what people think it does the example I always use on that is, did you ever have a substitute teacher when you were in school? If you can remember being in the third or fourth grade, or for me, well, I remember in high school, when you get a substitute teacher and you immediately realize that they did not have control of the class, then even the best students in the world became, you know, spit wide throwers. Now they'd be on their phone or their computer or whatever. It, you just weren't the student you were with that teacher that knew how to make you toe the line. And so it's very, very similar with dogs. Dogs always reflect back basically what they uh, sense, feel, and receive from the person who's working with them. So when dogs have been working with someone who knows what they're doing, is very consistent, and the standard doesn't change, and so the dog is very responsive, listens to whatever instructions you give them, understands the cues, understands... The relationship is clearly understood. Who's in charge? <laughs> Who's the colonel? Who's the private? And then how this works. So they're very, very good on that. That has nothing to do with what word was said. It has everything to do with the dynamics between these two things. And that's always what it is. So when someone steps in who just says the word that they're supposed to but doesn't have a clue why or what's behind it or how to enforce it or how to read the dog if they're paying attention or not or listening or not then the dog senses that complete lack of connection that complete lack of understanding and so they don't really respond because that's not the dynamic between those two people so the answer was when i said the substitute teacher he goes all right i don't you don't have to say anymore 
he understood what I meant. So no matter how well trained your dog is, you know, sometimes, you know, when they're, some of those field trial dogs or hunt test dogs that are old veterans, you know, they know so well what they're doing and they don't care if whoever's running them knows stuff. You know, they kind of know their job. And so it looks like it's going really well, but it's just going really well because the dog just knows what to do and it doesn't require that dynamic as much as a younger dog or a dog that's less experienced. So it's always the dynamic between the two people. So it, yes, you need to know the language that humans use to make a sound that has some meaning to the dog. But the most important thing that you have to do is set up the dynamic of, okay, I'm in charge. You, you need to do what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm, this is my standard. This is how we're going to do this. I'm going to be fair. You know your job. I'm going to do mine. And you can't just step in cold and do that until you actually do know how to enforce something or control the dog. You understand whether they're complying, whether they're listening or not listening, whether they're taking you seriously or not taking you seriously. You have to be able to do all of those things before the dynamic between you and the dog is set up so that the dog will heal and sit and come when you call and all that. So there's a lot more to it than just what you say. Uh, it's always just as it is with human beings, you guys, just like it is with human beings. When you sat down in a class and you knew that teacher up there had control of the situation and knew whether you were paying attention or not and was going to make sure that they got stuff across to you that day, you know that. And if you got one that's up there scared and not sure and, you know, just going to pass the time, then you react generally entirely differently. And it's not, it's not, uh, so much your fault. I mean, it kind of is when you're a person, but it's, it's, it's because you're just reflecting back the lack of control that's up there. So you, you, you are not under that person's control. Next question. Again, now we're talking about some more inexperienced people. Uh, I was asked just just very recently uh, if someone that a young dog, by young, not a year old, but not six months old, something right in between that, <clears throat> who was bought to go be a hunting dog. And they had not really taken the dog out of the yard except to uh, a little puppy class kind of a thing. They hadn't taken the dog out of the yard um, and uh, did the retrieving in the yard and all that. And they wanted to... Uh, take the dog hunting and wanted to know what I thought about that so I said what do you in the yard retrieving pump puppy bumpers or what and basically like a lot of people do whatever they threw the dog would bring it back so there was no uh, ethics there was no okay now we're seriously working and the dog had never been anywhere but to the vet or the puppy class or basically in the yard or probably walking out in the front along the front street, wherever they were. So <laughs> I, I, I said, uh, I wouldn't, probably. Um, I don't know. There, I'm sure there's some dogs where that has happened, and they were fine. But I think that what, <laughs> what happens so many times is your dog retrieves great in your backyard, right? You can you put the wings on the bumper, yes? So that's your bird replica. And the dog, and you threw it 
24 times and the dog brought it back every time so it's like we're we're good we can go hunting and what's missing for the vast majority of dogs and to a degree all dogs that there is absolutely they are completely uh, proximity based they are completely location based they only know these few places that they've been and they're familiar really familiar from the time they were eight weeks until now and they know this area real well and they're comfortable and it's always their you're their buddy or the family member or somebody like that doing this stuff and there's no uh greater dynamic outside of that all right so they're real comfortable there and then when you take them somewhere that's very different that they've never seen before and there are guns and there are people and it's cold or it's hot and there's a bunch of water or there's a bunch of corn or there's a bunch of CRP or in other words it's not the backyard anymore or not out front in the neighborhood and it feels different and and there's like wildlife is there and people act different and it's completely different and they are absolutely completely out of context completely and if somebody shoots a duck or shoots a pheasant or shoots a, a quail or whatever they whatever they're doing or dove they shoot that right well one maybe this if that, that dog had never had anything shot for it before so it didn't know about a live bird or a dead bird it knew about dead bird parts but it didn't know anything about that. So you know, there are dogs that will go get it, bring it back. And there are dogs that will be absolutely blown away by what just happened and have no clue. And for some dogs, that animal, the first dead animal that they ever encounter is, is it's confusing. It, sometimes it can be frightening. Sometimes it looks like uh, a cheeseburger. It's all these different things and, and they have no context for knowing what it is. So I've seen some just go grab it and, you know, wherever the blood was or if there's something kind of tasty there, it's like, oh, I guess I eat this. <laughs> like I just, I, somebody shot a cheeseburger for me. Or they think it's some kind of treasure and they take it and they, they run the other way to go discover it like they would do in the wild. It's like, what is this? Or they run back to the truck or they're scared to death or they just sit there and don't even have a clue. And I could name several, uh, several other variations of what they do. But there's no context here for what just happened. So guns and that explosive thing to some dogs is a really big deal. And if the first time they ever see it is when they're in this brand new place with this brand new stuff and everyone's acting real differently and then boom, I mean, that can have all kinds of impacts or... You know, maybe you had them at the shooting range or maybe they have heard it before. But that certainly isn't the first place you want them to hear a shotgun go off. It can be very alarming. It can make it hard. You know, they aren't going to want to get back out there with you. And then the thing about a live animal uh, that is maybe still alive, maybe it's flapping around out there, that can be so unnerving for a dog that has never encountered that. 
Even some of the best, most aggressive dogs, hunting dogs that I came to know in the beginning when they encountered their first live thing, they were just like, oh my God, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. What is that? And they have no context for knowing what it is they're supposed to do with that. So there's so much that you throw at a dog if you just take them hunting out of a nice benign life with you in the backyard throwing things and going to puppy class. The other thing about that, and there's a lot of them, but one of the other things is if you're doing, let's say you're doing a little upland hunting. You went out somewhere where there's some, you know, a few pheasant or something around. And you take this dog out, and they're not trained. Then, okay, for one, that's not the place to strap on the electric collar and not let them do <laughs> If you remember the prior podcast about how much work goes into training a dog before you ever put that kind of training pressure on them. This, otherwise, they're just getting bolts of lightning out there, and you may never get them out in the upland field again. Or they may just run away. Or they may just be so confused they don't even know what to do. So that's not the place to start electricity out in the hunting field. I don't care who you are. That is not the place to do it. So if you're not, if you don't have some kind of tool like that, which you can have a tool that they don't understand, then they're out in the field and they see a bird out there and take off. They just take off after it. Wow. Okay, that's the last thing we want them to think is what hunting is. And I don't care if you have a pointing dog or not, just have them take off and just completely independently go. Uh, and, you you know, now what are you going to do? Get in the car and go see if you can find them? Are you going to just run after them? So you take them out there and they learn, you know, hey, that's wild and crazy. And when you run out there, birds are flying around. You can chase them. It's awesome until they go through the, the barbed wire fence, right, or run into the piece of farm equipment that's partly buried or all the many other things that can happen, or they run into the farmer's dog that doesn't want that dog, your dog, on their place. So do you take a young dog without preparation hunting? I would say no. And I know a lot of people do. I would never do it ever, 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 ever. It's so much nicer when you take them out there and you have the fundamental tools of listening, responsive, understanding that there are birds and that there are guns and that this is what a freshly killed bird tastes like and feels like in your mouth. And this is what happens when they're not dead yet and they're in your mouth. And even with all this excitement, you still have to bring this stuff back to me. If you don't have all that, uh, wow, um, then you're going to be teaching them, scaring them maybe, or teaching them things that you really don't want them to know. So the answer on that is with, without some reasonable preparation and some reasonable context, then no, don't take the young dog hunting. And for all you pointing people, and going to South Dakota, and I don't know how the birds are this year, but some of the times when I've been there, the, the sky fills with these birds. And, they're, and the pheasant are just running, right? Especially if it's warm or kind of fall weather. They're running. They're just running everywhere. I, you know, that's the fastest way to depoint a dog almost in the world, right next to having another dog come in when they're on point and just flush the bird up in front of them. But when there's just birds are running and they're flying and it's just crazy, there's no place there for pointing. And if there's also, you got a young dog and there's other dogs. I love all the people that let the other dogs teach them. Mm. Um, 
So now all the other dogs are out there, so you just chase the other dogs around, and that's how you f find the birds, and then they all fly up, and then everybody chases them. Um, you can, one, you, you just depoint a dog really, really quickly. And also, the chaotic thinking. You know, this, this is just like a frenzy. So South Dakota is not great for pointing dogs, unless there's some snow and stuff, certain conditions. And for a young dog or a dog that's fairly new and there's a lot of other dogs around, so it's more like a gang thing than it is a really focused hunting thing. Um, you know, I would think I would think twice about it. If, if you get your young dog where they really have, again, they really understand their job and, you know, you can kind of keep it from having six pheasant running down between the feed plots there or something, if you can, you know, that's just not good. If you can wait and be patient and let your dog develop really well, then you can put them in some really difficult. Even then, it kind of messes up some dogs. But certainly a young dog, that's not how you want them to think of things. So that's kind of a long-winded answer for should I take my young untrained dog hunting. Okay, and final question now, third one here that I want to talk about is when you do have a dog that does have some fundamentals on it that does have some tools where you can control it it knows that it's working for you it knows that it's looking for birds um, it knows to you know if you use its nose and eyes when it's upland hunting or use its eyes and or listen and watch uh, when you're waterfowl hunting it knows that stuff it knows it's supposed to be that there are certain standards and certain rules but it's young and it's inexperienced and so that's a, a lot of people, particularly if you've been training real hard with your dog or you've paid someone else to, to get some of the basics on your dog, it's a little frightening, a little intimidating to take it hunting. It's like, I don't want to screw it up. You know, can I take this dog hunting? Should I wait till next year? So for me, it's not, you need to have certain fundamentals. One, for safety, so you don't lose your dog or something bad does not happen to this dog because you can't control what it's doing and then you also don't want the dog to get into a situation that um, makes it where you don't know how to handle the, the thing so it, it's a little tough but if you have if your dog is, is responsive comes when you call it even in the presence of birds, right? Not, you can kind of get it back. I mean, when you say no here, the dog goes, okay, here I come, or blow the whistle. When the dog knows to stay in your range, whatever that is, without you constantly, constantly having to make noise, buzz it, beep it, burn it, do whatever you do, where the dog knows I need to take some responsibility to stay with this dog. And yes, young dogs can learn that. Not six-month-old dogs. But 9, 10-month-old, 11-month-old, 12-month-old dogs can learn that stuff. When they learn that any bird that goes down is brought to you or whomever, however you work that out, the birds come back, that's all, no matter what. And that if for any reason you need to call them off of pursuit of a bird that looks like it's not going to go down, that they can be called off. Then, yes, you can take those dogs hunting, flushing or pointing. Particularly, well, even the young pointing guys, you never know for sure. You know, is this dog going to just go? Some of them do. They just lock up and hold. 
and then some log up and hold and then they can't stand anymore until you really get the, the whole staunchness going. But there are some, you can take these guys hunting. Again, is you have a solid tools and you feel comfortable with it and you have practiced. If you upland hunt, and I, I I've always, I have all my people, practice, practice going through the field. I, one of the things I do with all my dogs all the time is hunt an empty field. We go hunt an empty field. I have to take my little artificial gun because if I go out there without a gun, they, they know that there's not going to be any bird stuff. And w early on, I can do that. But later on, I take my little BB gun or something else. So it looks like maybe we are. But uh, I practice with the dogs I'm training moving through the field quietly without bunches of noise and whistling and stuff teaching them to stay in the gun range that they need to be in, and that we move continuously through the field, and we might not find birds for a while. And obviously, hunting an empty field, we don't. But we still move through the field. We still pay attention. So that if I change direction and I need to go from where we are to someplace else, that's where I teach them, notice where I am, notice what's happening. Because it's your job to stay with me in gun range, not me to constantly remind you what you have to do. And, you know, if you're going to pull them out of a good place where there's birds, then, you know, that's your weakness. You have to know your dog well enough to know, hey, there's got to be, there's birds over here, let's go. But if that's a place you can't go over there, it's not, it's not on the property you're allowed to hunt, then you need to get the dog out. If you move away from that, they need to move away from it, birds or no birds. And that moving through an empty field, practicing that with as little fuss and correction and noise as possible is a great thing to do before you actually go hunting. So that way, just the mechanics of, mo of going through an upland field are known. It's, it's in the muscle memory. It's, you're building the music for that already. And then de-chase. I don't know why anyone on earth would hunt a dog flushing or pointing that chase birds. I have yet to have anyone tell me why that's a good thing. You know, if you want them to go after, if there's a bird wounded or something, then send them. Send them after the bird. But just because something f comes up and flies, a hen flies, comes up and you can't shoot it, you cannot have your dog going after it. So de-chasing, yeah, it should be as mandatory as force fetch or collar conditioning, you know, so that you, you take that element out of it. The bird flies up, nothing happens. The dog stays there with you. And this is a very doable thing. And, it, you know, it just, it should just be mandatory for all upland hunting dogs because it's just, there's no reason not to. So you should have that dog where they don't do that. That takes on a young dog, you know, that you've gone through a, a good program fairly well, it takes a couple times in the in upland field and you've got it. And then you just maintain it forever. So when you're hunting the young dog, maintain your de-chase. If you go somewhere in the, and, you know, something flushed up out at gun range and your dog looks like it's thinking about or t starts taking steps after that, do your de-chase thing. And teach the dog, hey, even out here, man, I'm going to enforce the same deal. No, a lot of times when you're hunting, you got to remind them, even if you de-chased them really well, hey, even in these exciting places, you still can't do that. So the de-chase is absolutely necessary. The staying with you and paying attention to where you are is absolutely necessary. And then 
regardless of what they do on their bird encounter, provided it's close enough that you can be involved, pointing or flushing, then that bird, when it goes down, gets brought back to you in one piece, regardless of the condition, whether it was too close of a shot or whether the bird it was a far shot and the bird is, they can't set it down because those pheasant, you know, even if you just set a wounded pheasant down, it's gone. It's just gone. So that's another reason that dog has to have a very ethical retrieve and bring the bird right back to you and wait for you to take it. So many people teach their dogs to bring birds in and set down. Boy, they must be fantastic shots because there are a number of birds when you're hunting and even in competition where setting it down is the last thing you want. So teach that young dog from the beginning. Bring the bird in, sit down, and wait for me to take it from you. That way you don't lose that pheasant, you know, that you just kind of winged a little bit that's going to fly away given half a second of a chance. So those are the rules on the young guys. You know, you have them where they're not going to run away and get shot by somebody. They're not going to go through a fence you don't want them to go through. They're going to stay with you. They aren't going to be really good when they're young at hunting birds until they've hunted a lot of birds. That's what makes them good. But you can go hunt a lot of birds if they stay with you, they listen to you, they don't run off chasing birds, and they bring the birds back to you. Those are just the things you have to have. And then a lot of exposure and experience. So, yeah, take the young guys, but spend the time getting them ready. Physically, uh, by the standards, by the expectations, so that they do all that stuff. I, the, the, the hunting field is no more the place to train than you would train to be an NFL player by starting to play in the NFL. Probably the middle school football and some high school football and some college football and then all the training camps. You need all that stuff before you can go be invited to play NFL on the NFL field. And it's just like that. You don't get in the Olympics by just showing up. You don't belong there. You're not even, you don't even, you're not even, you can't even run with those guys in the Olympics. And to go hunting in real hunting places, it's, that is not where you teach these guys to do it. You do just the early work up front. So you have the tools that you need, and then you go hunting, and then you just use those tools and the experience. And I, I'm very emphatic about that. You know, there's nothing super cool that you just teach it in the end result. It just doesn't work like that. So that's uh, today's. Not, not too not too exciting, but everybody's getting ready for the hunting, and I've had a lot of hunting questions, so I wanted to at least get some of the young dog stuff out there to, uh, to help people out. I hope everybody has a very safe and very f- bountiful uh, hunting season this year. And I'm just a couple days late, I'm sorry, but I'm trying to get back on that every Monday kind of a thing. And G and I, I hope, will be back next Monday uh, to bring you up on the latest. <laughs>